Today I want to bring a pastoral word about the current crisis in Israel and the surrounding area. The images on our screens are horrific and what we're hearing and what the news reports are conveying are indeed horrific. There's no other way to describe what we're seeing, what is taking place even now. And I want to speak biblically regarding this situation. I'd like us to understand what the scriptures are saying and what they're not saying. It's important because these are days filled with stress and anxiety as it is without all this. And yet this is predominantly in our minds as we watch uh, the news in any way. We can't help but be faced with some glaring things that should never be seen in our world, and yet here we are. By way of background, I've been a Christian since my conversion at age 14 in May of 1980. And uh, though I'm not the oldest Christian around, I've seen a few things. I've, I've observed uh, a lot of things come and go in terms of trends, in terms of winds of doctrine, winds of doctrine that for a time seem to grab, grab hold of people's minds and then weeks or months or perhaps a couple of years later they are forgotten. But at the time they are very, very prevalent and in people's hearts and minds captivated by what they've heard. But things come and go. Here's what I've learned. True doctrine doesn't come and go. True doctrine and books that contain true doctrine can last more than a millennia. Uh, I often read of books that are multi-generations old. The Puritans, Martin Luther, Calvin, Edwards, Spurgeon. These people were not around 18 years ago, but their writings have lasted. Not so with certain prophecy pundits. And in these times when the glaring visions are on our screen, I want to bring a word of caution. I want to bring a word of pastoral, hopefully, insight. I've seen a lot of things. I remember in the 90s, uh, there was a TV show, and I was an avid watcher. It was called This Week in Bible Prophecy. It was on Christian television, and it was a weekly show of 30 minutes. Now, just take in what I just said. Every week, this uh, brother, uh, two brothers, uh, Peter and Paul Lalonde, had to come up with 30 minutes regarding what has been happening in Bible prophecy and way of fulfillment in the last seven days. And they had to do this week after week after week after week. Now, Imagine you've got a verse and you think, well, that's been fulfilled by this incident over there in Iraq. Well, that might have taken up 10 minutes of your show, but you've got 20 minutes still to do. And then guess what? Next week, you've got to come up with a, another 30 minutes of this week in Bible prophecy. Imagine the pressure on you. But that was all the rage. And this was a very popular show. And most people now in 2023 have forgotten about it. Why? Because it was a wind of doctrine when you think about it. It was something that was here for a little while and then gone. And 
quite honestly, if you or I were to pick any of those programs from the 90s, let's say the March 17th week of 1994, and we watched it now, I guarantee you this, everything you saw in the light of now would be ridiculous. Total speculation. Total speculation. Most of it was really this, a massive skyscraper doctrine. Imagine a skyscraper built on a dime of real estate. There was nothing to it. When you actually went to the scriptures that were cited, there were verses taken out of context, terrible hermeneutics, terrible eisegesis. Hermeneutics is the science of biblical interpretation. All of that went to the wind. Uh, when you have to come up with a show of 30 minutes of Bible prophecy being fulfilled within the last seven days. Eisegesis, that's reading into the text what is not found in the text. And quite honestly, though I was an avid watcher, I now look back and think, why would I do that? Well, because you know what? It's more than interesting, isn't it? It sells. People are interested. I bought the books. I bought the, back then, VHS tapes that were offered at the end of each show. There's a lot of money to be made in speculation. It is a nice feeling when you feel, you know what? I've got knowledge no one else has. And that's the danger of it. The reason other people don't have that knowledge is they might actually be more sound than you. <laughs> They've looked at the verses being quoted in the context and they can just say, you know what, um, sorry, I'm not going to go there with you. But there is pressure on the preachers and I tell you, just watch the next seven, ten days, two weeks, there'll be a lot of videos made about what's taking place in the Middle East right now and trying as hard as they can to come up with some Bible verse somewhere that predicted this. That's a pressure I don't want to have. I don't. I want to teach what I know I can prove from Scripture. And guess what? There's a lot. There's a lot about the end times I can teach with absolute certainty from Scripture. That's what I teach. I'm not afraid to talk on eschatology, the study of the end times. I've done it in the past. We'll do it again. Teaching on it in some way, even now, by what I'm saying now. I'm not afraid of the subject. But there's a lot in this realm that is speculation. After Peter and Paul Lalonde's show, uh, I remember being in England and there was a man from New Zealand who was very influential and influential in my own life. He came to my home. He was a wonderful man. I say was because he's passed on from the scene. He died of a heart attack in the late 90s, I believe. His name was Barry Smith. And I still have a number of his books not because I believe the content of those books. Wonderful man. I'm sure he's in heaven. Uh, true believer, I believe. But what he taught regarding the end times actually now seems quite ridiculous. I use that word again. Um, let me just, I, I wish I, you could see what I have in front of me just now. Um, but I've done this in the past and it's, 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 uh, it's just good to see it. But I believe you can imagine it. Here's one book of his. It's called Warning, all about 
the end times. And a man by the name of Henry Kissinger is, uh, there's a whole, whole chapter on him in the book and what he's doing in South Africa, what deal might be made uh, over there and how it applies to the rise of the Antichrist. Uh, by the way, beware of books that really don't, don't convey much in the way of truth, but it basically are trying to pin a tail on the Antichrist. <laughs> um, that was the first book, Warning. He wrote a second book. There was more to say. There's more that's been fulfilled, supposedly, and so he wrote a second book. What do you think you call your second book if your first book is called Warning? Well, you guessed it. The second book, here it is, it's called Second Warning. All right. Time marched on. Jesus hasn't returned. So what do you do? Well, you've got much more information to share. It's a big, thick book. It's thicker than the first two. And uh, he, it's his third book in the series. What are you going to call your book if you've first used the title Warning, then Second Warning? Well, here's the third book title. Final Notice. <laughs> and there we go. We're good for a while. We've got our final notice. Well... What do you do once a few years have passed and you've still got a little more to say? Well, here's the fourth book. What's it called? I mean, what can you do after you've used that title, Final Notice? Well, he was a genius. The fourth book, P.S. <laughs> That's the title of the book. Now, again, that looks uh, ridiculous now. But at the time, these books were handed out in their hundreds and in their thousands to non-Christians to evangelize. The gospel were in those books, which is wonderful. That's why I believe the man will be in heaven. He is in heaven now. I believe that. But in terms of a legacy, those four books are pretty useless. It's actually material that can be used against the Christian faith by those opposed to it because what is written now looks foolish. If you make a prediction, if you say, watch this guy, watch this guy, watch Gorbachev, watch, watch, watch Kissinger, watch, watch, watch these guys, watch, 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 and then they fade off the scene of history or else in Kissinger's case, I believe he's still alive, he's a little old to now be ruling the world as the Antichrist, I'd say. Uh, everything he's written now has passed into the genre of that which is ridiculous. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to build my ministry on that. I want to be able to say what I say from the Bible with clear teaching drawn out of the Bible so that in 50 years you pick up a book that I've written and it will still be true. Just like you'd read Martin Lloyd-Jones' books. Uh, his commentaries on uh, books of the Bible, like Romans. You read them now, they are up to date. Why? Because Romans is up to date. Not everything we think is up to date or relevant or, most importantly, true. So beware of the end time speculators who's, who are going to tell you this is that. And they turn to half a verse taken out of context from some obscure Bible passage. Beware of that. 
Let's never build our doctrine on speculation. Let's build it on what we can prove from Scripture. Now, with this in view, I want to list all the Bible verses about certain things. Okay, here we go. All the Bible verses about Mary as a co-redeemer. That's right, there aren't any. All the Bible verses about praying to Mary. That's right, there aren't any. All the Bible verses about purgatory. That's right, there aren't any. All the Bible verses regarding men gaining angel wings at death. In other words, men becoming angels. Well, that's a popular idea, but there aren't any. Okay, let's list now all the Bible verses about this current crisis in Israel. Note the silence. I can't find any. Now, I don't go through that process to be in any way flippant. I hope you hear my heart. I'm speaking simply as a pastor. Let's not build our thinking and our doctrine on what we cannot prove from Scripture. I'm in no way wanting to be flippant. I hope you hear my heart. I'm in no way wanting to be cold-hearted. I simply want to be biblical, and I would say, beware of speculation. You know why? It leads to paralysis. If you believe the speculators out there that would say, this is that, and this means this, and this is right around the corner. By November the 8th, this will be in play. You know what? It'll leave you in paralysis where you don't even want to leave your house. You listen to that, and you listen to a constant stream of that, you think the sky's about to fall in on you. You really do. There's no point in building for the next generation. And a lot of the end times teaching does exactly that. It leaves you paralyzed because you think there's no point in starting a school. Why would we do that when Jesus is coming back in three months? Hmm. Or at most seven years, right? No. I believe we should have a multi-generational view of our lives and we are wise if we raise up a generation behind us who know the Word of God and can teach and preach it. Those are the people that will have influence in this world, not those who hide in a cave just waiting for Jesus to come. Let's go to a passage I believe that is applicable to this situation. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. When I say this situation, this situation in the Middle East. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's go to verse 1. Paul writes, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now, notice that two-word expression, all people. Whenever you see the word all in situations like this, there are a number of possibilities, two of which are, it can mean all people, meaning everybody, 
or all people in terms of all kinds of people. Keep your place there and go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 where the same expression is used and verse 10. It's a familiar verse on a different theme. For the love of money is a root of all evil. Some translations read. The ESV is very accurate here and I believe gets it right. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So the expression there can mean all, all people, or all kinds of people. And I think because of context, when we're back now in 1 Timothy 2, when it says all people, what's in view is all kinds of people. Why? Because the next verse lists kinds of people. For kings, well, they are kinds of people. That's not everybody. Not everybody is a king, but kings are a kind of people. There are people who are kings. And the instruction is, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, I believe all kinds of people, for kings and all who are in high positions. These also are kinds of people. Not everybody who lives on planet Earth are in high positions, but there are some. Pray for them. So pray for kings and all who are in high positions. Why? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people, I believe again, all kinds of people, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So why are we told to pray for kings and all who are in high positions? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I believe what's in view here is that it's a lot easier to get the gospel out in a time of peace than in a time of war. Very much is that the case. And in a peaceful environment, we can share the gospel rather than when bullets and rockets are, fly, are firing around our heads. So pray for kings and all who are in high positions so that the decisions they make will lead to a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Because God desires all kinds of people to be saved. Pray for kings that they be saved. Pray for people in high positions that they be saved and that they come to the knowledge of the truth. So that's something we can be praying for. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our president. Pray for all that would advise him. Pray for the nation of Israel. Pray for the nations around Israel. Pray that some would come to their senses and that there would be peace. Here's what we know. The Lord Jesus Christ is reigning now. He will come again. I'd love to quote the Nicene Creed at this point. He will come again. He shall come again 
with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. Christian, in this time of stress and anxiety, you and I know some things. We know some things our neighbors don't know, and it's not because we've got secret insight like Gnostics. We are just this uh, elite group of people who've been given special revelation. No, we've read our Bibles, we've interpreted our Bibles correctly, and the Holy Spirit has shown us the truth about Jesus and where things are headed. And we're headed for glory. We're headed for the view of Jesus, seeing him. And that's what we're, we're living for. And in the meantime, let's pray for peace. Let's pray for the gospel to go out. This gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Let's not lose sight of that in the midst of this time of stress, however long it may be. It might be days, weeks, months, or even years. The conflict, the conflict looks uh, very, very menacing at this point. Could well escalate, I understand. Let's keep our eyes on the prize, the Lord Jesus. Let's know our God and get his word out. As Michael Horton says so well, get the gospel right and get it out. Getting it right and getting it out. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for he being, him being the very Prince of Peace. We pray that peace would transpire in the Middle East. We pray especially for the victims of the atrocities that you would give comfort to the families but Lord, we do pray that somehow the gospel will get uh, to the hearts of people on all sides in the conflict and that you will have your way in the nations. We know you will, but we pray for it. We pray your kingdom come. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we are in no way flippant. Lord, we, we do grieve over the calamities, the atrocities, our hearts are really struck by those images and those things that were not even captured on film, I'm sure, are equally as distressing. You know it all, Lord. Lord, bring your peace and bring your peace to our hearts. Lord, we look to you. We cast our anxiety on you. We cast our care on you, knowing you care for us. So be with us, your people, and Lead us into the truth of your word. May we always build our thinking on what you've said. The truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth of Holy Scripture. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.